spontaneous update. Hey, we're going to get into it right now. Uh, new series, Got Questions. I am, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to this. I hope you guys are. Uh, today, our first question is appropriately scheduled as it really is foundational to really all the other questions. This is, this is the beginning. You begin at the beginning. Um, our question today is, uh, where, where am I? You know what I hate? How does it get out of there? I lost the question. I think I deleted it, <laughs> which is kind of sad. Uh, the question is, <laughs> I don't remember. No, the question is, uh, how, how do we know the Bible is true? How do I know the Bible is true? Uh, a lot of times people say, well, because the Bible says so, I believe this because the Bible says so. Well, isn't that circular reasoning? Um, and isn't it r- real that, you know, other faiths, other religions, other people have uh, spiritual scripture writings that they look to as well? Isn't that true? So that's a great question. And I really think that is a foundational question to us. I, I had told you that I would um, recommend books to you each week. You know what? I wonder if... Uh, can I just take a break for a minute? Take, talk among yourselves. I'm going to just see if I... There's T. Uh, no, wait, 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 wait. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Okay, here we go. Now I'm, I'm, I'm on target. I did it. I lose my own place. I, I said this morning technology is not my friend, um, which really it sometimes isn't. Come on, baby. Who loves you? It's looking. It's looking. Please wait. Uh, okay, there's the question. And I, and I told you I would give you some uh, follow-up recommended reading each week. Uh, so here you go. A uh, couple books. Uh, Craig Blomberg, you're, you'll see his name a couple of times pop up through our series. Great, great uh, theologian out of Denver Seminary. Uh, Blomberg I like because uh, he's easy to understand. He writes uh, theological works, but... You really don't need any background or, or, or a lot of other education to be able to read him. So I recommend his stuff very much. And there's two books by Craig Blomberg here and then kind of a classic New Testament documents are the reliable F.F. Bruce. So if you're interested in this uh, topic at all, those are some follow-ups you can read. Um, I, I want to just you know, say this. To me, this is the foundational question. Last week we talked about biblical interpretation and how important that is. But the truth is, before we even get to a point where we need to, to interpret or feel a need to interpret the Bible, uh, we have to have some sense of, I, I really, I, I really want to look into the Bible. I, w- I want to know what it says. I, I want to follow it. So the question is really good. I, I think that's important for a couple reasons. One, it's important for our own journey. As we're going through life, uh, you know, it, life is hard, and, and it's helpful to have a little bit of a roadmap. I think the Bible becomes something we can look to to say, uh, you know, get direction, draw direction from. It's also important in terms of interpretation. If I don't know what it's saying, if I think the Bible's saying one thing and I begin to direct my life accordingly, but it's really not teaching that, you know, it, c- it could get off base. Um, for me, one of the bigger issues really related to this, I mean, it's, I, I guess we, we need to know, uh, have some faith in, in, in Scripture ourselves, but part of it is, on behalf of others, 
I just believe a big part of what we're about, who we are, what God's called us to be for, is to really be his ambassadors, to make him known, to be able to share our heart, our faith, our life with others. And uh, sometimes, very, I mean, I, I think often, can I just be honest? Often, when somebody comes and says to you, to you or to me, why do you believe the Bible? What makes the Bible, why do you follow the Bible? What, why is that any better than anything else? I don't know that we have a good answer. I think sometimes the answer comes back, like I said, well, because the Bible says so. But for most people, that, if, they're not, if they're asking, legitimately wanting to know, I don't know that that's a good answer. Um, you know, there, there's, a, there, there's an old saying, well, here, let me just, say, let me just do it this way. If... <laughs> If you believe that, if if that's your response, if if someone asked you today, why do you believe the Bible? And you said, well, because the Bible says so, then I have something else I'd like to share with you. Here's what I would like to share with you. Says so. That says it. I believe it. That settles it. Uh... I'm joking around. There's an old saying, uh, some of us that are <clears throat> older will remember, uh, the proof of the pudding is in the eating, or just the proof is in the pudding. Anybody remember that? Oh, look at nods. I like that. Some of you, all, everybody over 30 or 40 or 50, uh, we won't go any higher than that. Uh, but that, that really, to me, is more the essence of it. You know, the say, if the, the proof's in the pudding, if you make pudding, if it's good, it's good, right? It works. If, if, if we say, well, the Bible says so, that's one thing. But if I can say, no, 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 it, it, really, it, it really works, I've experienced it, I, I think that's a whole different level altogether. When I can say, hey, look, I, you know, I, I've tried it, it works. I, I, I have uh, experienced the Bible myself, I've taken it to heart, I've followed its teachings, it's really beginning to work. I, I think that, that, to me, is a more compelling response David says this in the Psalms, taste and see that the Lord is good. David says, I try, I followed God, and I know now that he's good. Um, I think the best way to share with someone that the Bible is true and real uh, is to invite someone into the process of experiencing it in their own lives. Um, I think a much better starting point than because the Bible says so is, hey, look, here's my answer. If somebody came to me, today and said, hey, why do you believe the Bible? I would say, I believe the Bible because I, I have been reading it and, and doing my very best, although sometimes my best is not very good, but doing my best to try to follow it for 40 years. And here's what I've found. I've, I've, I've found that when I do do it and when I do follow it, things really do go better in my life. It really does work for me. And, and when I fall short or when I get off track or when I don't consider that and follow it, it, it doesn't go as good. And, and I, think, I think it would be good for you to, to experience it yourself. I think it would be good for you to open it up and take a look at it and, and really see where it leads you. Uh, David says that in his writings a lot. Very often, David points to his experiences with God. I love Psalm 119. It's, it's the longest chapter in the Bible. It's beautiful. It's, a, it's a, an extended love poem from David. He's writing a love poem to God about his word. That's what it is, about how good it is and how well it's benefited his life. 
We won't read the whole thing because it's huge. But here's a little excerpt. This is David's answer. Hey, David, why do you believe the Bible? Your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You establish the earth and it endures. Your laws endure to this day for all things serve you. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have preserved my life. I think he means it. I mean, when I hear that, two, two things I'll say about that. One is that that's David's experience in the Lord, and no one can take that away. All right? Your experience with God, no one can take it away. We can, I'm going to share with you here some things I think are more intellectual, practical reasons the Bible is true. And, and, and I, I believe they are, and I believe they're good reasons. But at the end of the day, you could argue and debate that. But if I say, I've tried it, it works for me, you can't debate that. You can't take my experience away, and no one can take your experience away. S- second thing I'll, I'll say about David's writing in Psalm 119 is, to, to me, it, it really, that's compelling to me. When I hear someone say that with that kind of passion, I go, you know what, I, I think I'm going to look into that a little further. I think I want to know more about what he's experiencing. So the best evidence for something is direct experience supported by external validation. The best evidence for something is direct experience supported by external validation. That's an important part uh, because, look, our, our experience is subjective. It is our experience, and our experience alone r- really isn't confirmation. It needs to have evidence outside that. For example, if I were to say to you, I love to cook. I, like, I, I, just, I, I enjoy cooking, making food for people. If I said, hey, you know what? I make the best lasagna in the world. I do. My lasagna, hands down, kills. It's the best. Nobody makes better lasagna than me. You'd go, wow, awesome. Can I try it? So yeah, come over tomorrow. I'll make you a lasagna. We'll have lasagna. So you show up at my house, and you come over, and you walk in, and you go, man, it smells good in here. I, you, you might be right. That smell, that's awesome. You make great lasagna. And I open the oven, and I pull out something that looks like that. You might go, huh, that's a little weird. It kind of looks like one of those lasagnas from Costco. Uh, and then if I, you glance over in the trash and saw that, uh, you go, wait a minute. Wait, wait, hold on. Time out. First of all, you didn't make that lasagna. Second of all, it ain't the best lasagna in the world. I'm telling you that right now. So there's no external evidence. If I'm the only person in the world saying, hey, the Bible works for me, that's not really going to go very far. But the reality is I have about 2 billion people backing me up. That's external confirmation. There really is a reality there that there's more to this than meets the eye. So uh, what what I want to do now, I'm just going to, I really do want to give you a process. Here's the thing. It's like five simple steps, five easy steps. And most of you guys know I'm not into, I'm not a five easy steps guy, but I am a process person. I do believe that our relationship with Jesus is a journey. We walk through life. So what I want to share with you today is really, if you look at it this way, it's a journey. It's a little bit of a process that we walk out with God. And that's supposed to say, uh, start with the Gospels. And again, I'm having technological difficulties today. I don't know uh, why, but I am. So uh, pretend that says start with the Gospels. Uh, Here's the thing. How many of you guys have a red letter Bible? Anybody? A few of you? They still make those? They're still around? I don't know. I haven't bought a Bible in years and years. I have my same one because I don't want to give it up. I like it. I know where everything is in it. 
uh, and then I also have my phone. Um, I, I really think the Bible is complex. There's a lot there. If we start with the teachings and the historical record of Jesus, to, to me, that makes the most sense, all right? To start with the teachings of Jesus. Over the next few weeks, we are going to look at some of the most challenging aspects of Scripture, some of the most difficult. We're going to look into some things that are hard to believe. We're going to look at some things that uh, you really don't want to believe. Anybody ever had that experience? You read the Bible and you go, oh, I wish that wasn't in there. Uh, but but uh, it is. So we're going to look at some of that stuff. But I want to submit this to you today. Here, here's the thing. I want to submit that Jesus is the most complete revelation of God we have in Scripture. Well, Jesus is the most complete revelation of God we have, period. Jesus is the most complete revelation of God we have and that it will, it will benefit us greatly in understanding Scripture if we start with him. If, if I... Look, here's part of the criticism that comes. If I look at the church historically and what the church has done, there's a lot to find flaw with. And that's the criticism, right? What about the Crusades? I don't want to hear that ever again. What about the Crusades? Yeah, let's just say, let's be honest today. Christians have done a lot of stupid things. Christians have done a lot of very bad, bad things. Uh, So if I look at the church, uh, not so good. If I start in Genesis and read my way through, again, by the time I get very far, I'm only a few chapters in, I, I've got some questions. There's some stuff in here I'm going, Ooh, I don't know. Uh, but I really think if we, if we begin with Jesus and work our way back from there, uh, things are going to be uh, a, a little different. Here's, here's Paul's uh, letter to Timothy. As for you, Paul's writing to Timothy, continue on what you've learned and become convinced of because you know those from whom you have learned it. So first of all, it's, it's Paul's experience. It's Timothy's experience. It's been confirmed by external evidence. He knows those. Who, you know who he taught Timothy the Bible? It was his mom and his grandma. And, and he knew them. He knew their lives. He lived with them. They raised him. He saw the character of Christ in them. So he had that experience there. Uh, you've, from the infancy, you know the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. And then he says this, and this is really because the Bible says so. All Scripture is God-breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Amen. You can say that because of the first part. I, we started at the beginning. So start with the Gospels, and, and I think uh, you'll you'll do yourself a service in terms of trying to really come to grips with why the Bible is the Word of God. And, and there's, here's the starting point. For the Gospel, the four Gospel accounts are first century historically important documents. Um, I, I would begin here, if I was going to have a critical dialogue with somebody, I wouldn't begin by saying, I want you to believe the Scripture is the inspired Word of God, the Scripture is infallible, uh, or any of that. I would say, Could, give me this, just give me this. The four gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are historically valuable, historically important documents. Uh, They are, in fact, four Greco-Roman biographies of the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. That's what they are. They're they're biographies. We read biographies. We learn about history from biographies. So can we learn about history from reading this biography? Yes. They were written in the first century. Everyone agrees with that. No debate. There's question whether it was middle first century or late first century, but no one debates 
that they were not written in the first century. They were. Everyone agrees on that. So they are, in, in historical terms, written in very close proximity to the events that they describe. Very close proximity. Literally decades after the events themselves happened by people who were eyewitnesses of those events. Most of the history of the world that we read is not like that. Most of it was written quite some time later. I, I, uh, I read the uh, A&E section on Sundays. I love to do that. And I was looking last Sunday at the beginning of the year. They had kind of a, a preview of books that will be released this coming year, this year. And there are a couple of Abraham Lincoln biographies on there, which I read Abraham Lincoln biographies. I like those. Um, but here's the deal. Uh, Lincoln died 150 years ago. Not too, that's not too long, 150 years. But anybody who writes those biographies uh, didn't know Lincoln. They didn't know anybody that knew Lincoln. They didn't talk to anybody that interviewed him. They didn't talk to anybody that ever saw him. They are totally reliant to write those biographies on what? Earlier documents, documents that were written closer to the time that it happened. So that's just 150 years. The, the, the biographies of Jesus written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were written 20 to 30 to 40 years after by people that did know people that saw him. Uh, if you just, by contrast, the life of Buddha... Uh, writings about the life of Buddha. The closest book written about the life of Buddha was 500 years after he lived. So you can see that in terms of uh, historical value, I, I think it's fair to say that the Gospels are historically relevant, historically valuable. Um, and one thing that makes them historically valuable is that they are the foundational documents of the most influential movement in history. So again whether you agree or not, whether you believe or not, whether you follow that faith or not, um, Christianity has influenced the world that we live in. Okay? Christianity has influenced the world we live in. There's no... You can't, you can't argue about that. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a geek. I watch Jeopardy. I love Jeopardy. And not a week. You can't watch Jeopardy five days in a row without uh, a biblical topic coming up somewhere. Just the way it is. Uh, it's... it's the Bible and Christianity have influenced the world that we live in. There's no way around that. Uh, it's, it's just true. These are the foundations. They, they have historical relevance. They are historically important. They, they are the, the, the founding documents of the most uh, influential movement in history. And here, this is the part I really like. This is where it gets good. They are also the record of the most influential person in history. Why, why are the four Gospels historically important? Because they are the life story of the most influential person that ever walked on the face of the earth. And there's no way that anybody can debate that. Look, our calendar is based on his life, people. Uh, rock stars wear crosses on their necks. I mean, it's everywhere. Jesus affected everything. He touches every corner of life. Here's the thing. I, I like Jesus really is the most interesting man in the world. He really is. You know, I, I think we should start a new ad campaign. I was playing around with it a little bit. I kind of thought I'd come up with some stuff. So um, the most interesting man in the world says, never tastes like chicken, even about chicken. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will walk in darkness, but will never, never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I think Jesus wins. He speaks fluent Russian in French. woman at the well says, 
Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Told me everything I told her all about her life. I think Jesus wins. He's the only person Chuck Norris ever apologized to. (laughs) Tax collectors and sinners were gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus hung with the highest people in society, government officials, religious officials, and he hung out with tax collectors and prostitutes. I think he hung out with government officials that hung out with prostitutes. I don't know. Um, No, I know. Sharks have a week dedicated to him. (laughs) Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Bang, right there. I mean, look, he walked through the wall. I'm sorry. That is just more interesting. I want to know more about that. He had an awkward moment just to see how it feels. Jesus says the girl is not dead but asleep. They laughed at him. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in, took the girl by the hand, and she got up. I just think Jesus is the most interesting guy that ever lived. How can I read those things about him and not say, I want to know more about that? And so the Gospels really are uh, the documentation of the most influential and most interesting person in history. Uh, And to me, that is a tremendous starting point to say, this is why I believe the Bible is the word of God. Uh, To me, that's a great place to start, really. Um, Remember this, and here's the thing. This is important, too. When, When the gospel writers, when Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote the gospels, they didn't know they were writing the Bible, okay? They didn't say, we're going to write scripture right now. What were they doing? What was their goal? Their goal was to write the life of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus so that other people that weren't there and didn't get to hear it or see it would be able to hear it and see it later. They were writing history. That's what they were about. That was their purpose. This is, I I love the beginning of, I love Luke. Luke is my favorite gospel today. I change. Uh, But the book of Luke and Acts, if you look at that as, as kind of one volume, to me, I just love it. In the beginning, Luke says, he, he tells why he's doing this. Many have undertaken to drop an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those from the fir- uh, who were the, fir- um, the first eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully, carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. That's one of my... Um, when I get to having questions, anybody have a list of questions, you know? Yeah, who's Theophilus? I want to know who Theophilus is. Uh, here's what I think. I have a theory. Uh, I, I believe that Theophilus was a wealthy benefactor. Um, writing was not easy. Okay, there was no printing presses. There was no computers. This was all done on a scroll with a pen and a thing. Uh, so it, ca- it was time-consuming and expensive to do. I believe Theophilus was a wealthy benefactor who had converted to Christianity and, and paid Luke to write this for him, to write these accounts. That's what I really believe. Not that Luke was a hired thing, but I, I really do think that that's uh, what, what that was about. Um, so my point simply is that Luke was writing history. That's, that's what he believed he was doing. This, uh, this is my favorite, though. How can you not love this? At the end of the Gospel of John, this is John's summary. Okay? Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. What? That's the end? You just say that? I mean, 
the most interesting man in the world, right? How do you not want to know more about that? I, I don't believe, here's the thing. This is, I trust God. I don't believe you can read the Gospels and not be compelled to want to know more about Jesus. I, I, I just, I, I don't think, I mean, I suppose maybe somebody out there is so hardened <laughs> that they wouldn't, but when I read a book, there's characters in books. And sometimes those characters are compelling. And I go, wow, that's an interesting person. I'd like to know more about them. I don't think there's any way you can read these four books and walk away and not say, I would like to know more about that guy. Because I really do believe that Jesus is just the most influential, the most intriguing, the most compelling, and the most interesting man in the world. Something happens in the process. And here's how it works. And I told you we were going to go on a little journey. Um, As you begin to read those, you begin to trust Jesus. You really do. You begin to trust Jesus. You become become intrigued by him first, and then as you look further and you read more, you begin to trust him. It's again agreed upon. I think people of all faiths and different religions, you hear it all the time, and you hear it, and this is a little bit of a dichotomy to me. I I, I don't really fully understand it, but sometimes people that don't follow Jesus will say, well, he's a great teacher. He's one of the greatest teachers in the world, but pretty much everybody agrees that. I don't know how you can say he's a great teacher and not want to follow his teachings. That part's weird to me, but Everybody says that. Jesus is a great teacher. So you begin to look at that, and you read his teaching, and you go, hey, this makes sense. This is really good. I think, here, do you know how many sayings there are in contemporary usage today that originated with Jesus? There's a bazillion. Here's, look, at this is a few. Go the extra mile. Anybody here, anybody an athlete, anybody that plays sports, go the extra mile? Do unto others, live by the sword, die by the sword, salt of the earth, turn the other cheek, don't throw your pearls before swine, a house divided cannot stand, sign of the times, ye of little faith, wolf in sheep's clothing, the blind leading the blind, talk about a good smear. All those originated with Jesus. He is everywhere. You can't say he's not a good teacher. And when people begin to recognize that, to me, I mean, I'm not that smart, but I go, if this guy's got that much going on, I, I want to follow that. I want to know more. I, I believe if his teaching is that good and that influential, it might work out for me to actually apply that teaching to my life and begin to follow after him. So the next thing that happens is Jesus becomes your teacher. And then when you read further, as you continue in the Gospels, you come to the reality that his life and teachings bear the mark of the miraculous. Jesus claims to be God. So again, if you call him a great teacher and he claims to be God, you know, that old thing, you know, he's either nuts or he is, right? He's, you know, there's not a lot of other options. Um, but you begin to see that. You, be, you begin to see that uh, what he does, who he is, how he functions, is so far outside the realm of a normal teacher, of a good person, of any of those things that people might say. You go, there's, there's really no way this guy could do what he does and not be God. And so you begin to be influenced by him. You go, I really, really begin to trust this. And, and I, I really do want him to influence my life. And from there, it's, it's really pretty easy uh, to make that jump to say, you know, uh, Jesus wants to be Lord and Savior of my life, and I really want him to be. I, I want to embrace that. I want to follow that. I want to live that way. So those are the... Uh, first couple steps in this process. We'll just close this part out, and then I'm going to finish real quick the last three. Um, this is what Jesus says. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke 
upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. How do you say no to that? Who in their right mind would say no to that? Anybody tired? Anybody ever get weary? Anybody ever feel like you're carrying too big a load? Who else makes that offer? I just think Jesus is, it really is uh, a unique person in all of history. And if we begin with him, I, I really think that from there, the rest of the Bible makes so much more sense. And so that's what we'll finish in just a few minutes with that. And, and here's the, the last three steps, and this is where it kind of expands out beyond the Gospels to the rest of the Word. But Jesus validates the Hebrew Bible's divine origin. So there's a few verses there. I'm not going to read them. But if you read through the Gospels, there are numerous, numerous, numerous places where Jesus quotes the Old Testament, references the Old Testament, and validates the Old Testament. Okay? So, again, if I start with the Old Testament... I don't know about you guys. I'm a skeptic. I'm a cynic. I, I admit that. I start with the Old Testament, and my, my skeptical nature rises up. And I go, okay, look, 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 look. I, I, got, I, got, I got the uh, talking snake. I got talking donkey. I got a guy swallowed by a fish. I got the whole flood thing. I, I, don't, I don't know. This is a little weird. It's a, it's a little bit out there. Um, but if I start with Jesus, and I realize that Jesus is really wise and a good teacher and he has the marks of God upon him and I begin to really trust in him and Jesus validates those things. That compels me to want to look a little deeper. I go, you know what? If Jesus trusts this stuff, if he believes in it, maybe I should look a little further. So it's, it's different than starting there and going this way if we start with Jesus and go back that way. Uh, the next step is Jesus promises God's spirit will inspire inspire his disciples. And so it makes sense, okay, again, here, I, a couple of years ago, I came to this point in my own journey. I follow Christ for a lot of reasons, you know, over the course of our lives. I came to the point where nothing else made sense anymore. I just go, this just makes so much sense. I don't see any other way. This is the only thing that makes sense to me. And I just think it's so, here's what, what makes sense is, my, my point there got off track a little bit, is it makes sense to me if God was going to reveal himself to people through Jesus, that he would have a plan in place to make sure that those that weren't around at the time got to hear the story, right? Well, he did. He had a plan in place. This is the plan. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, from whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I said to you. Oh, good. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. He will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Uh, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will receive from me and he will make known to you. So he, God had a plan in place to make sure that those that weren't there at the time got to know about Jesus. The plan was the Holy Spirit would come and Jesus promises that will happen and anybody who's experienced that presence of the Spirit in their lives knows that to be true. And then the last point of the five is that the early church validates the apostolic teaching. Um, see, here, here's how it works and this is how all history works. This is how all history works. From the very beginning, 
People would tell the stories of Jesus. Christians would talk to their friends, their neighbors. When I just think, you're at the feeding of the 5,000. You're there. Um, you see this miracle happen. What are you going to do? You go home and you tell, hey, you will not believe what happened to me today. So that's the way it worked. So people would pass those stories on. And then as the apostles began to write Scripture, it validated what people had been talking about. They said, yeah, this is, this is it. This is true. This is how it works. This is who Jesus was. Because there were then still people alive who had been there. They'd seen it. So th- there, there's, uh, th- that's the way all history happens. It's passed from oral tradition, to, then it gets written down. And that's what happened. It was oral tradition that then got written down. And the early church validated those writings. Paul, all of the letters of Paul were written in the 19, or 1950s, written in the 50s, which was um, 20 years after the Jesus event. So Jesus lived within 20 years. People that had been there, seen that, done that, were telling Paul those stories. Paul was a part of it. He's writing those things down. He's affirming. The church is reading those, those documents, those letters of Paul, and they're going, yep, you know, and sometimes he's on their case a little bit, and they're going, he's right. That's the way it works. So what, what, what the documents did, what the letters did, it, is put form and shape to what people already knew to be true. The church really did validate those things. When the, when the, look, when the Bible was put together in the 300s, prior to that there were all these different papers and documents and scrolls rolling around. That was challenging. Not everybody could read that. So you want one-stop shopping. We want to put this together so that everybody can have their own copy. There were a couple of things that they, there were more than a couple, but a couple important things they looked at to determine there was a lot of writings what's in and what's out. So one of those things was Catholicity or universality, just meaning, did did the early church, did they affirm these documents? Yes or no? And if the early church did affirm them, that was one test if they got in. Um, Second thing was apostolicity. Uh, I I just have a hard time with that one. Apostolicity, which really meant this. Were they first century documents? Were they written in close proximity to the events? There are a lot of books. The, The Gospel of Thomas is a really compelling, very interesting story of Jesus' life. Um, but it was written in the second century, so it didn't make it in. It's just, it was nothing wrong with it, except it was just too late. So it's just, all, my point is simply it's good history. It's good history. And, and I really think if you, if you start with Jesus and work your way back, uh, you, you become, it becomes clearer and clearer to you uh, that Scripture really is the Word of God. And so then, then here's the thing. You know, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Why do you believe the Bible? Because the Bible says so. But here's why I believe that. I've been on a journey. I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. I've experienced this in my own life. I look at the life of Jesus, and it's so compelling. He's so intriguing. He's so amazing that I, I, I really had to, to know more. And as I look into his life, I see this happening, and I follow this process that I just shared with you. And I really believe that that, to me, is, is a much more uh, firm, solid response to somebody who wants to know why you believe the Word of God is true. Okay? Good. Let's stand. Sarah? Boys? Men? you got to love these guys, don't you? Look how cute they are. Well, I, adults, women, old guys. We have token old guys on our team. I know, there was no memo, by the way. Just for, just for the, there was no plaid memo.
We're just so in sync, we all think alike. Well, I know, but the boys and I, I'm, 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 trying, to, I'm trying to be young and hip, and it's working. <laughs> I just ruined everything. It's such a good morning. And I just... Can we get the uh, ministry team to come up too? While these guys are uh, leading us in a little more worship. If you'd like prayer today for anything, I want to invite you to come on up and we'd love to pray for you. And our, our, our thing is this, you can come up for anything you want. Whatever's on your heart, we'd love to pray with you today. I just felt maybe in the context of teaching I don't know if anybody's ever been wounded by either something someone said about the Bible or used the Bible to kind of batter them or hammer them. I know it happens. And I just think we'd like to pray with you today to kind of lift that off. It really is a a, a precious, loving, beautiful document. really does carry the heart of God in it. And I know there's some hard things in there, but that's the truth. And so if you have any wounds from things that have been said or done or used, you know, to sort of put you down in any way over that. We'd love to pray for that. But beyond that, anything else, anything you have, anything that you need, we'd love to pray for you.